0: Good morning how's everybody doing today? Awesome again welcome to Center Point Church Kent Island. We are so glad to have you here with us today um, if you are a first time visitor or maybe um returning guests, we're going to ask that you look in your programs. There should be in your program something called a connection card. If you don't see a connection card in there, uh, right outside the church doors, uh, there's a connection card. Fill that out. Give us as much information about yourself as you would like, uh, where you're from, um, what you're looking for. Uh, If you have prayer requests, flip that over and fill that out as well. Uh, We can drop that in the offering basket as it goes by or right outside the doors where that table is. You can drop that in that basket as well. And we'd be more than glad to connect and pray with you And share with you and talk with you in whatever regard we possibly can to help make things move a little bit smoother for you in your life. We are doing a series here entitled (coughs) Nehemiah. We've been dealing with the uh, book of Nehemiah each week dealing with a chapter in that book. We've been talking about all kinds of specific things and topics in that passage of Scripture or that book. Uh, We've been dealing with this idea that Nehemiah has kind of given us this thought process of moving forward. That God has called him to do something very specific. And in him calling us to do something very specific, he's giving him a plan of how to move forward. We believe in the book of Nehemiah, you and I will see consistently this way that God desires to move us forward in life. Whether it's building something, being a part of something, joining with people, doing life together, There is this process of how we ought to move forward that God is calling us to do in our marriages, with our kids, with our children, in our finances. uh, There's all these aspects of moving forward, and Nehemiah kind of explains that each chapter as we go along. We want to continue that series as we move ahead into Nehemiah chapter 10. So I'm going to ask that you would turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 10 or scroll through to Nehemiah chapter 10. While you're getting to Nehemiah chapter 10, I'm going to pray for you real quick as you're flipping through. Um, dear Father God, we ask you for your grace. We ask you for your mercy. We ask for your love. We ask for your kindness. We ask, Father, that you would open up our ears and our hearts to receive your word. That you, Father, would take these next few moments and would sanctify it for your good purposes. That this word, your truth, would work in our lives and push us to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm gonna ask that you guys would stand with us as we read God's word. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 10. Verses or starting at verse 28, and it reads like this.
1: Then the rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves. If they had failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses, they solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God.
0: Amen. You guys may be seated. What's going on in this passage of Scripture in Nehemiah chapter 10? Um, Something is taking place that's very, very, very significant that I want to share with you The idea of what that is. So today we're going to do a little bit of participation. Are you guys ready? I never get big cheers when it's time to do participation. Are you guys ready? All right, here we go. All I need you guys to do today for these next few moments is to repeat after me. Here's what I want you guys to repeat after. So repeat after me. Here we go. I love you. I believe you are God's gift for me. I take you to be my wedded spouse to have and to hold for this day forth for better for worse for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health to love and to cherish until death with a deep sense of thanksgiving to god I promise to be true. And I now accept my role as your spouse as long as we both shall live. Now, this may sound familiar to you guys, and if you're sitting there, you're gonna like, eh, what's, what's that? These are the wedding vows that we go through as we get ready to marry a husband and a wife. Um, Instead of spouse, I would say husband, and when we get to the wife, we would say, you know, wife or bride or whatnot. But these are the wedding vows that we place before our marriage ceremony. Um, These are probably the most critical part of the marriage because at this point, we're entering into a covenant. We're entering into a commitment. We're entering into, I am making a promise to you in front of all of these people Three people, 300 people, 3,000 people, I'm making this commitment and honoring this thing before you, before each other, before these folks, and most importantly, God, I'm making a vow. Some people want to bring us their own vows, and I'm very quick to look over their vows because I want to make sure that their vows are following out the commitment and promise that God looks for from our own personal vows that we should have for Him these vows are saying that I already understand that I love this person, that I'm with this person, I agree with this person, we've been doing life together with this person, but I'm taking my commitment to this person to a whole nother amazing higher level. And that's why the vows are so important in a marriage. Are you guys with me? The people of Israel... These people that have come back to have come back to this place where this wall has been built, where, where Nehemiah has brought leaders together and started to place this wall up and put this wall up and get this structure. People are starting to move back into town. People are starting to uh, to do life again in this place where they were driven out of, this place where they were enslaved and taken out of their place. They've now come back home and they're starting to learn about God again. They're reading about God. They're studying God's word. They're hearing about God. They're celebrating with other believers. And now they start to make this value. They begin to make this commitment, this promise that, yes, we are Christians, or yes, we are, we are saved. Yes, we believe in God. Yes, He's our, our Savior. But now they want to take things to a whole nother level. They begin to get a plan in place of making a vow and a commitment to the God they serve. I want to express and explain to you that if you are ever going to move forward in life, there comes a point where you have to get a plan in place to move forward forward spiritually. And they share with us five key points, five significant points in order to have a spiritual life that takes off and accelerates in a way that is is focused and locked in on God is that they start to make a commitment and then the commitment equals out to living out the plan. Are you guys with me so far? I have... And I, I relate a lot to sports, so I talk about sports a lot. I have these, these boys that are playing sports, and it's not just that they're playing sports, but in order for them to be um, super athletes, they have to live out a plan, a committed plan to be successful. It's one thing to be on the football field, run up and down and hit people, throw a ball, and then call it a day. It's another thing to live the lifestyle that you claim to be as a football player. You guys with me? A football player can get on the field and play and they're done. But a committed lifestyle of a football player means you gotta work out in the off-season. It means you have to do things, you get lacrosse, you gotta do stuff in the off-season. You guys gotta work out in the offseason, you gotta lift weights, you gotta change your whole diet if you're trying to be a committed going places football player or athlete. I have two boys and their whole meal plan has changed. Because the goal is to get them not from just being football players, but these super athletes, whatever that means. It it means commitment. It means finances. It means investment. It means a plan for them. My oldest son has to eat six meals a day. (laughs) Six meals a day. Because in order for him to be the size they want him to be, He has to bulk up from 229 to 260 by August. There's a plan. There's weightlifting regiments, and there's food, and there's intake, and all of those things cost time and... Bless Jesus, you get it. We're a family of six. We get a rotisserie chicken for our family, and we can split that sucker up And we can bam, bam. Y'all been a giant. You know when times are tough and you guys late night and, you know, not tough, but it's late nights and you're getting home late and you just get a rotisserie chicken. We as a family of six can split that rotisserie chicken in two ways and we buy two of them and it feeds the whole family. Now that there's a meal plan in place, we get two for the family of six. And out of that family of six, five of us get those two rotisserie chickens. And one kid gets a whole chicken. But in order for him to be able to be what he needs to be, he has to follow the plan. There's a commitment to the plan. And in the book of Nehemiah, he lays out this plan. Here are the five things I want to share with you to get a life that's going to change and drive you in a way that's so amazing and so committed to God that it'll change your whole focus of who you are. The first thing I want to share with you in the book of Nehemiah chapter 10 verse 28 is if you're going to have a plan to move forward, you have to be number one, focus. Watch what it says in verse 28.
1: Then the rest of the people, the priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand.
0: They said, in order for us to move forward, we're going to have to separate ourselves from pagan people. We're going to have to separate ourselves from people that don't think like we do, act like we do, operate like we do, because the only way that we're going to be successful in moving forward with God is we have to leave some folks behind. I need to leave some people behind. I need to leave some relationships behind, because these people are keeping me from moving what? Forward. I have to let go of some folks, because they... They're, they not even they're not even grabbing hold of me but their conversation can cause my conversation to go in a different direction their thought process their negativity their anger their bitterness is causing me to pull away from who I believe and what I believe and how I should belong with the father that God has created me to operate and dwell with I got to leave some folks and he says, if you're going to be successful in this life of, of having a committed, faithful plan of being a great Christian, a great believer, you've got to leave some folks behind. <sighs> Man. The best part about this message is it's during Thanksgiving season. I'm so tired of going to, to houses and seeing relatives I don't want to see, laughing at their ignorant jokes, laughing at their stupid foolishness, placing a wall around my heart and mind an hour, two hours before I even get in the car to go to their house because I got to deal with their craziness. It's just, I'm the only person that deals with that on Thanksgiving. I'll just talk for me for a second. And it's not like I don't want to be around certain people. It's just that certain people, just their attitudes, their, their mentality, their their, their their negativity, their rudeness, their, ah, ah, just gross. And we justify it because it's our family. I'm getting to a point where I'm really okay with like a hungry man dinner on Thanksgiving. <laughs> slap that joke in. Maybe I go to Mission Barbecue the day before. And do my own Thanksgiving. Maybe instead of a family of 30, we just need to be a family of six. Maybe I need I mean, uh, Uncle So and so, come back next week. Alright, so here's so here's what's happening. Everybody <laughs> here's Rosie's not here today, so I can go a little deeper today. Here we go. <laughs> Most of her family doesn't. They're not, they're not going to listen to these podcasts anyway, so it doesn't matter. Here we go. So Rosie's <laughs> Rose not here today. Tyler has a game, uh, Turkey Bowl. They're in the championship. So they all the way in Baltimore County, way over in Baltimore County. So they got a game that's happening in like a, a couple of minutes. So they're over there in Baltimore County. I'm here. Here's what's happening. Every Thanksgiving, we go over a um, relative's house on her side of family, and we do Thanksgiving. You guys with me? And the next day, we do Thanksgiving for our family. Because the food over there is so not great (laughs) that we have two Thanksgiving dinners. We have a Thursday meal and a Friday meal. The Friday meal, everybody loves. The Thursday meal, we're just powering through. (laughs) We're just powering through. I'm getting tired of powering through Thanksgiving. You feel me? You and I should get to a place where we're just tired of powering through relationships and tired of powering through conversations and folks on the job and water cooler comments. Like, we should be getting to a point where I just rather be over here doing my own thing than be involved in your thing because this thing over here spiritually is so much better than trying to fake it with you over. I don't want to do that anymore. I'd rather be focused on doing life with God better than trying to hang out with you and play double dutch. You know double dutch, right? You're, you're constantly, ch- 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 ch. I'm tired. I'm too big to double dutch. I, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I'd rather be focused over here doing my thing than spending all this time and all of my money and all of my frustration trying to work with you. He says, in order to be successful as a believer, you're going to have to get some focus. You're going to have to let some people and some things go. You're going to have to let some TV programs go. Oh, I heard the groans. You're going to have to let some music go sometimes. There are going to be seasons in life where there's music you want to listen to, but this isn't the time I should listen to it because it doesn't add up to my personal feelings at this moment. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm angry. I probably shouldn't shouldn't throw on some old Eminem or whatever your angry music is and start playing that. That's not a good combination at this time. Like maybe next week Eminem is fine, but this week, today is not Eminem day. Today is like a hill song, (laughs) like I need to turn it up a whole lot more. Today is a Jesus day. And so it says we need to find opportunities to separate and focus on getting closer to God, and that means we have to move away from things that are causing us distractions. The first thing they did in order to spiritually move forward, to make this vow and commitment, is that they vowed that they were going to be committed to him, and they're going to do it by, number one, moving away from people and becoming focused. Number two, they do something that's very, very interesting after they promise, so they begin to posture themselves in a way that's separate from all of these distractions so they can focus. They start to worry about their faith. Verse 29 reads like this.
1: Joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by his servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God.
0: They said in order for us to become spiritually focused on our faith, in order to be locked in our faith, we have to have focus. Isn't that interesting? that they recognize in order to move further in their faith, they have to become focused. You would think that they would say, we need to have faith, and then we're going to be focused. But that's not how they place it. They already have a connection with the God of the universe. They already have a connection with their Yahweh, their Savior, uh, the the one that has come back and redeemed them and brought them back from all of these lost places. They already have connection with this God. They sat there, and we talked about them reading the Scriptures and understanding that this is truth, that this is life. Jake talked about them understanding that we are going to confess our issues and our faults before the Lord. They've already recognized that they have faith. The issue is that um, um, now they need to have focus to have a deeper faith. Did y'all catch that? A lot of us have this faith and this relationship in the God of the universe, the Savior of our souls. The problem is that we don't have the focus, and because we don't have the focus, we're not really walking out our faith. So we have faith, but because we lack focus, we can't go deeper in our what? Faith. Oh, man. I'm preaching today, Dennis. The issue is not necessarily that there's not faith, it's that because we haven't cut away the things that are, that are pulling our focus, we can't go deeper in our faith. And so, some of us are comfortable with just having faith, but not really being focused to walk out the faith. And so, the commitment of being focused bases and is the bridge to having us have a deeper what? Faith with the God of the universe. You can play on the field Sunday night, Saturday night, Friday night, but, man, it takes focus to turn down an orange soda when everybody else has got one Is you're drinking water because you want your body right. That's a much more serious focus to follow the plan. It's real easy to grab another juicy cheeseburger when everybody else has got a cheeseburger. But if I want to be successful, if I want this body to change, if I want this mentality to change, if I want to play better, I got to turn down the cheeseburgers and look for the grilled chicken. It's so one thing to swear that you're striving to be a better husband, but you still got porn or whatever on your phone or internet hard to be faithful. It's hard to look and view your wife or your husband in a certain kind of way when you are distracted by these things. It's hard to say, I'm going to be a better financial investor when I'm still checking out everything that comes on this phone, and I've got a coupon for everything to buy, and I'm going to just spend, 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 and we'll move some money here to make this happen because I really want this. It's hard to be financially invested when there's things destroying my focus because those things that don't allow me to be focused don't allow me to walk out my plan faithfully. And so he says to everyone and each and every one of us, if you're going to become more focused, you need to become more focused on your faith, your commitment, your strive, your walk, your desire, your path, who you believe in, what you believe in, how you want to serve them, how you want to show it off, all is part of your faith. And he says, how focused are you willing to become to be a part of the faith that you claim that you believe? It's quiet today. If I want to experience the God of the universe on a deeper level, if I want to have this vibrant relationship with Him, if I want to walk with Him and, and, and breathe with Him and dwell with Him, I've got to have focus. On the faith that God has given me, it says that I want to, I want to be able to accept His commands and His regulations and His decrees because He's the law, the Lord of the universe. I, I may not necessarily agree, agree with it, but I'm going to live it out. You take the trash out today. What do I have to take the trash out? Nobody else's house, just my house. You did the dishes? Where? I did the dishes last month. Month? What? You go with your brother to the bathroom. He just just took him to the bathroom the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm bald here, but my face should be just, it should be skull. As much as I wipe my forehead, it should just be a blank patch of skull right here in my head. It's just (laughs) like seven shades lighter right here, just I promise you. And even though you don't get why I'm telling you to do X, Y, and Z, I'm looking to build character in you. I'm looking to build integrity in you. I'm looking to build faithfulness in you, that you could walk this thing out when Daz doesn't tell you to do it. I'm building this out so maybe that if somebody ever decides to marry your little nasty tail, that you'll have some kind of structure and order and discipline within you and so, even though you may not agree with the decrees of House Wade, <laughs> need a dragon, the decrees of House Wade, that somehow you would understand that this is for your betterment and not a punishment. I know you got 12 hours of phone time you need to get in. I understand. It's tough. It's tough being you but this requirement is so that you can be better in life and who God desires for you to be. He says, listen, these laws and these decrees, these things that you may not necessarily agree with, that you may not want to be a part of, that you may not want to submit to or humble yourself to, uh, you may not want to look like a Christian in this car ride after that dude cut you off. At this moment, I need you to look like Christ beyond what you want to look like Christ." And he says, when you can focus on your faith that's fine-tuned you to be focused on what you believe, who you believe, how you believe, when you live this thing out on a consistent basis, you will begin to start to move forward spiritually on levels you never imagined. But you got to focus on what you believe. Humble yourself, even when you don't want to, to words and to God's truth that you may not necessarily feel at this moment. Point number three. He says, Family. Nehemiah 1030 reads like this.
1: We promise not to let our daughters marry the pagan people of the land and not to let our sons marry their daughters.
0: Now, this scripture is used uh, like out of context in a lot of different ways, and, and, and some people with, uh, with racial issues say this is why certain groups shouldn't marry certain groups. It's not what was, being, what was happening at this time. What was happening was that we identified um, a group of people by what they served. So, a certain race in this time period served a certain God. And so, the issue wasn't necessarily the race. It was that this race of people was associated with a certain kind of belief or principle or teaching or theology. And so, what was taught was, don't get with people that have different theology from you, don't get with people that have different belief processes or different uh, uh, processes of how to walk out and live their life in their faith. We want you sons and daughters to be connected with people that have the same spiritual goals as you do. You, you guys with me? And so they're teaching their children uh, not about necessarily race, but There are certain theologies with certain people you don't need to get involved with because their theology could change your theology. Your Christian experiences could be totally different, involved with the wrong kind of folks serving the wrong kind of God. And so he says, "I want." they they make this vow that we're going to teach our kids to love the God of the universe, and we want them to be connected to people that love the same God of the same universe, serving God the same kind of way. Because of that can cause a lot of problems in your life. Being connected to the wrong person can change the theology or who you believe as your passionate lover, your Savior, your Lord. It can change your theology if you're connected with the wrong person. And so it says we want you to identify people and live with people that have the same concept that you do, that your life will be good man. And they say, we're going to teach this to our children that they would understand the value of serving the God that we love, that they would be connected with people that serve the same God that they love so they could walk out a passionate lifestyle together successfully because they're on the same mindset. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do of all the counseling is that I do. I do kid counseling. I do teen counseling. I do, you know, we have problems counseling, marriage counseling. I love doing premarital counseling. Before we take these vows that we just talked about, 14 weeks out, 15 weeks out, we go through a book and we go chapter by chapter, we have conversation, we do credit scores sometimes, <laughs> we do a lot of stuff. Look at y'all like, oh my God, we do credit scores sometimes, we talk about finances, we talk about blended families. I wanna get into your everything of everything of your everything in your life. I wanna know, are you, are you a survivor, or are you, are you one of those people that you're, you're, you're digging in and you're deep? Survivor mode means that you know, hey listen, we got a, we got a late bill. I'm okay. Keep it moving. We gotta move some money around. Hey, we got a, we got a blue bill. Okay, that's fine. Don't worry about it. We're good. We got a pink bill. Don't worry about it. We're good. We can still move some money around. Got a red bill. Oh. Gotta pay it now. That's survivor mode. Are you a security person? I feel comfortable with these amounts of finances, these amounts of situations around me. I feel comfortable. Are you a survivor or are you in security mode? I need to find those things out. You need to figure that out because when you get married, if one person is on survivor and one person's on security, it's going to cause a problem. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> might have been zoning out. Jesus was like, blood, blood, pay attention. He says, you need to figure out all of these things very quickly as we go through this process of marriage because I want you to understand just because somebody says they're a Christian and the other person is a Christian, what level of Christianity are we on? Oh, you got me a light bulb here? And so he says, just because somebody says that there are two Christians coming together, are you on the Christian on this side, or are you the Christian that has done this focusing and faith side? Which side of faith are you on? So we do this marriage counseling because I need you to understand, yes, you may be Christians, but what path are we walking on in our Christianity? Doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't be married, but it does mean that you need to be well aware of what you're getting into before you get all the way into it. I've had couples say, I'm out. I'm out. Marriage counseling has been great. This has revealed a lot. I'm not ready. Or you're not ready. Or we're both not ready. I'm out. That hurts. Put some money aside for the banquet hall. You've invested in the dress. But man... It's better than having to deal with all the other struggles that come along Is you didn't pull the I'm out card. Everybody sitting there is like, I should have pulled the card 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> come talk to me after church. <laughs> we do counseling for marriage couples too. <laughs> but the thought process is that we want to make sure that our family gets this committed teaching and principle that they can move forward, that you can be better, that you should be more, that you should grow in a higher level, a higher height. And so he says to them that if we're going to move forward, we're going to give practical application to our kids now that they get as they're coming up this mentality of living life in a way that's successful. Don't get pulled. Don't get uh, uh, distracted. Don't get um, destroyed by all these other people and relationships and thoughts and processes and, and shows and music and TV and videos and all these other. Don't get distracted. Understand what they are. Understand their place in life, but don't let it affect you too. A point where you can't be the Christian or the believer that God's called you to be. And I want you to understand the vow that's made comes from the parents and the community and the society and the body who believe. They took the step to begin the promise to instill in their children not to let the church do it alone not to let the Christian school that they go to do it alone, not to let the summer camp Christian programs do it, not to let Nana do it. They took the steps to say that as well as we believe that we want to be in community that will in, in, in impact and invest in our kids, we as parents are going to invest in our own what? Sons and daughters. Yeah, it is. Our own daughters and sons. We're going to invest in them. That they would be connected to the right people. Stop having people raise your kids. I'm about to get so. Let me say it again, in a more um, a Brian Wade way. Stop letting people raise your kids. Not your kids, your kids. One of my first jobs, before uh, before care, uh, teacher in a classroom. After care, I saw kids in school for eleven hours. They got dropped off at six forty-five when the door is open, and they didn't pick their kids up to six o'clock at night. It's almost twelve hours. I guess you got to work. I get that this is here and you working Virginia. like, dude, like this is not this is not it. And you wonder why your kids keep getting in trouble. They got more time with before and after care teachers and teachers, and you got to think some of those hours are traveling time, and then some of that traveling time is just eat, go to bed, stop talking to me time. Like, where where do you get time in as a parent? I'm not trying to bash you. I understand life's tough. I've been there. I've done that. But I'm trying to say, listen, you got to get some balance to this situation. How are your kids going to grow? How are our kids going to be successful if we're never around? We have to be the ones that set the tones for our children. We have to be the ones that put the things in place for our kids to be successful. Point number four, y'all are looking at me crazy. Point number four, forgiveness. Nehemiah 1031 reads like this.
1: We also promise that if the people of the land should bring any merchandise or grain to be sold on the Sabbath or on any other holy day, we will refuse to buy it. Every seventh year, we will let our land rest And we will cancel all debts owed to us.
0: There's a lot going on in here, but they say to move spiritually. To move in a different direction, number one, you need to be focused. You have to separate yourself from people, situations, things, and environments that you can, number two, really focus and lock in on your faith. You're going to lock in on your faith, and when you start locking in on your faith, you're going to recognize how important it is for your family to have the same faith and be part of that faith. They say on top of that, we need to understand in order for our families to be successful in faith, we have to show the principle of forgiveness. And they show this principle of forgiveness, of understanding it is important to work, it is important to do uh, all these things, it is important to sell and to sow, it is important that our lands are healthy, but there's important time after we work this land that we have to take a break. We want to take this seventh year off to let our lands replenish and let God just do amazing things and all these opportunities, all this stuff going on here. And then they get to this point where they say, listen, there are going to be people that owe us money, and we're going to forgive them. It's the highest level. Of forgiveness next to fidelity is finances. Infidelity, I'm sorry, is finances. The two things that break up marriages the most are finances and infidelity. Those are the two biggest physical and emotional breakup situations for marriage. It's finances and infidelity. And if I could give you a third one that I share of all my premarital couples, I would also share with you this idea, um, this word that just escaped me. That's pretty funny. <laughs> 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 expectation is the third biggest, biggest marriage breakup error. Finances, infidelity, and then finally, expectation. What I expected you to do and what didn't actually happen. What my expectation was from childhood that a man should do. And when we get married, you don't do it. He says to them that in order for you to move spiritually, you're going to need to have focus. You're going to need to have extra focus on your faith, you're going to be able to start sowing that faith down to your family and from your family you need to understand that the principle of forgiveness needs to be seen and the highest level of being able to forgive somebody, friend or family is understanding the greatest offenses, finances we had cousins that won't talk to each other over $20 you will sit down at the Thanksgiving table and you'll think to yourself yeah, you got a new car the $50 I gave you 17 years ago. Yeah, right? Yeah. Nobody? Huh? Okay, all right. It's cool. Whatever. I gave you a loan when you were down and out. You promised you'd pay me back as soon as you got on your feet. You Got a new house, bike, boat, and I'm still waiting for my loan. And we will harvest that bitterness for eternity. And this right here says that we are willing to forgive people with one of the highest offenses there is, something that breaks up sacred vows between husband and wives. We're going to forgive people of their debt. That's one of the highest levels of forgiveness you can have for somebody. He says in order for you to be successful, you're going to have to be able to forgive. In order for you to be able to move spiritually on a higher level, to move closer to God, you're going to have to be able to forgive. It may not be finances for you. Maybe something somebody said to you in third grade that you ain't never seen ever again. But that comment they made changed the trajectory of how you processed your life or how you viewed yourself, and you've carried that thing on for 30, 20, 50 years. In order for you to go just a little bit deeper with God, you're going to have to forgive and move on. Mom and dad may not have always been great, may not have always said the greatest things. They tried as hard as they could. Dude, you're going to have to forgive. You'll move further in life, you'll grow deeper, you'll be more spiritual, but if you're not willing to forgive, you're not going to the levels you could really go to. He says in order to be successful, in order to move forward, you have to be willing to forgive. I think if you're not willing to forgive, no matter how much you model your great Christian principles and beliefs in front of your children, if they don't see forgiveness, they won't fully understand the Christ. Man, that's tough. And I've said this to you guys before. It is so difficult being a husband, being a, a father, being a pastor, and having to tell my kids in the car, listen, my dad was a little rude to you today. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? I myself to a 10-year-old. just rather tell you go to bed. I'd rather I'd rather take you to a surprise trip to Target than tell you I I, I asked for your forgiveness. But if dad can't model, if you hear the ding going off, like I'm hitting points. <laughs> Y'all don't hear that? <laughs> I'm dropping bombs, baby. This is great. <laughs> God's like, check. He's like, I love it. Listen, if you're not willing to ask for forgiveness to your own family members and to your children, What is the model that we set in front of them? How will they be the men and women? How will they humble themselves in their marriages to their wives? How will you be an amazing wife that understands, you know, yeah, he was wrong. 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 But in your response to him being wrong was -er -er." (laughs) wronger. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was because... In these moments when we're wrong in front of the holy God, does he come back and he yell at us and, chat and just beat us down? No, he says, I love you. You messed up. You made a mistake. Let's move on. There might be consequences, but I still love you the same, if not even more. Let's move. Why? <laughs> so she didn't, she didn't, she said she was cooking steak and you got a rotisserie chicken. No white beer, I can No rose no Rosie. I know she promised you steak and mashed potatoes. I know she promised you that. Got yeah, Chinese. I'm sorry. Sorry. Shrimp and broccoli. When was you were looking for? My bad. Are we gonna really not talk to her for the rest of the night? Cause you got shrimp and broccoli? Shut up, you ate. Why don't you, why don't we go a step? My voice is so high. When has it ever gotten this high? Why don't we ever <laughs> why, why don't we ever just be like, you know what listen, what's going on? We've had, we've had takeout food like four nights out of 17 or, or whatever some magical, weird random number. Uh, what do you need for me to do to help us get dinner together? more because you're worried about now you're talking about money site, and I'm telling you money site if you keep eating out every night, well, what do you need me to do? <sighs> I'm complaining there's no money in the budget because you keep spending up all the money. What do I need to do? What? Give me a night. I'll, I'll take Tuesday night is the night. We're going to have steak every Tuesday night. And you cook steak. What do you need me to do? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, yeah, <this is> great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> who's doing that? <laughs> you, get a, you get 3% of the offering today. Oh, my God. You're so on it. <laughs> Forgiveness. You've got to forgive. You've got to set the example. You have to understand that they set the example for us to forgive other people. Here's the one that everyone's going to hate, but it has to be dealt with, and it must be told because it's the truth. Um, the functions of the church. Verse 32 reads like this.
1: In addition, we promise to obey the command to pay the annual temple tax of the one-eighth of an ounce of silver for the care of the temple of our God.
0: Let's see if the bell goes off at this, this point. <laughs> he says, listen, he says, in order for you to be successful, he says, you're going to have to make a vow um, to, to, to focus in. You're going to have to make a vow to be about um, your faith. You're going to have to be focused on from your fa- from focusing to your faith to your family to family to understanding how important it is to forgive, and then you finally you have to be concerned about the commitment and the involvement of the church. You're going to have to give to the church. Your local place where you worship, you need to give. The place where you are connected to, you need to give. If you see some other stuff you want to give to as well that's going to change the lives, give. But if you are locally within some kind of organizational uh, structured church building, facility, whatever, you need to give because the church has a job, and the job of the church are these things that I want to share with you. The first one I want to share with you is this. You have to invest financially. Reading verse 35 and 38 reads like this.
1: We promise to bring the first part of every harvest to the Lord's temple year after year, whether it be a crop from the soil or from our fruit trees. A priest, a descendant of Aaron, will will be with the Levites as they receive these tithes. And a tenth of all that is collected as tithes will be delivered to the Levites to the temple of our God and placed in the storerooms.
0: There's a lot of things going on, but basically what's happening is that they're saying they're going to take their financial commitments and that we're going to take the tenth of what we have, um, whether it's fruit, whether it's trees, whether it's animal, whether it's finance, we're going to bring it into the church so the church can properly distribute that. The church's job is to take what you give, a tenth of what you give, a portion of what you give, to put it into the church so the church can be committed to serving the community. A lot of people want to know where our money is going. I'm glad you asked. Next week we'll have a financial meeting. We'll have a church business meeting. We'll talk about where finances are, where finances are going. You'll see how we're affecting the community. You'll see how we're affecting the country, how we're affecting the world with the finances that you give. You'll see where those monies or those finances go so that they can benefit this place and how we can operate and how we can do and how we can maneuver. You'll see how these finances go into people's lives that we've helped um, <laughs> help take care of certain issues and needs that they've had as they've come to the church and asked for us. Some of them are not even members of this church, but the fact is they have a need and if we have it, we'll give whatever we can. That's what the church does. That's how the church should operate. That's how the church works. Not only does it operate and work that way, but that's how it should be that we are taking care of the community environment, and your finances do that. Your financial involvement wherever you worship should be going to that place to do that. You may not be a member here. You may be, you know, or, or team partner here. You may just be visiting. Fine. Put your money in somebody somewhere where your church is and give. You're here, but your church is in Chicago. You've been here for the last six years. Whatever. Keep giving your money to Chicago. You've been partaking and eating of all this great Bible knowledge and Christian love and fellowship. You should probably transfer those funds over here so that we can do some greater things. But I will say this. If home churches is over there in Chicago, give your money to Chicago. They need it. If you're here, split it up. Send it over here and send it to Chicago. 50-50, 40-60, 30-70. Whatever, I'm not good with percentages after a while. Whatever. Give to the place so the place can start to serve and meet the needs of people, meet the needs of the environment, meet the needs of people that are hurting. I do pastoral counseling. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to serve you guys. I have people to come up to me and ask me, "Well, how much do you charge for counseling?" The pastor of your church. Let's talk. Don't worry about money. Don't worry about fees. Don't worry about funds. If you hit me on the website, I'll give you a price. If you're not a member of my church, y'all get the difference? Get all this great Bible counsel for free. You're a member of the church. We have people in this church that can sit down with you, leaders that can talk with you, share with you, give you words of wisdom. We have elders here that can share with you. You might pay $160 without a copay at some place. You get that for free. It's almost like paying into a plan. It's great. Bottom line is, your finances need to go where your place of worship is so they can benefit the people, benefit the environment, the community, the country, people outside of this country. Your finances and you being able to be committed to God is a reflection of your finances. No ding. All right, let's move on. (laughs) So, use them all in that whole forgiveness piece. Um, Here's the last thing I want to share with you about your, the functions of the church. This is invest in, um, invest in finances, and then lastly, invest in fellowship. Your functions of the church, your finances help invest in the fellowship. Check this out.
1: This will provide for the bread of the presence, for the regular grain offering and burnt offerings, for the offering on the Sabbaths, the new moon celebrations, and the annual festivals, for the holy offerings and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel. It will provide for everything necessary for the work of the temple of our God.
0: It says that when you invest financially in the functions of the church, it helps a church to be able to operate, to move, maneuver, give, share, Um, help increase the lives of people in in, in multiple ways. And the other thing it does is allows us to have fellowship. They mentioned these festivals. These festivals, Jake talked about these last week, these festivals are things where they are worshiping God, but they're also coming together. We talked about this two weeks prior to Jake, uh, that these things allow us to share in the growth of who we are, fellowship, connection, relationship. This allows us to grow as people. If you are not connected to other believers that are striving to go down the same path you are, you're walking a very lonely road. I'll say it again. If you are not connected with other believers that are striving to go down the same path and road, you are walking a very lonely road. And I would probably think that if that's the case, that you're not walking with people that have the same desire and purpose, then you're probably connected with some people that are causing you to lose your focus. And if they're causing you to lose your focus on your faith, then your faith is probably less than where it needs to be. Y'all see the connection there? In order for you and I to move forward, we have got to be with people that have a relationship, that have fellowship, that want to grow, that are life groups, Bible studies, um, church after on Sunday. Not only we should be putting up chairs, we should be talking for 10 or 15 minutes. We should be flicking the lights on you to get out. Not grabbing your Bible and a chair and saying, I'm out, see y'all Sunday. It's not, a, it's not fellowship, that's not relationship. I should want to know what's going on with you. I should want to pray with you. I should want to talk with you. I should care about you. I should be able to say, that guy goes to my church. Oh, that family goes to my church. Th- I should have a relationship with you. I shouldn't see you on Facebook and it was like, hey, add this person. Swipe. <laughs> I'm not adding them. Swipe. Add so-and-so. That's <laughs> an elder. Swipe, swipe, swipe. Like, come on. Fellowship. We're family. Let's talk. I as a pastor should ask eventually, I haven't seen so-and-so in a couple weeks. Where is so-and-so? I just did that elders' meeting the other day, right? We're having an elders' meeting, and I'm like, by the way, I know we're important business, article number three, where has so-and-so been? That's what what family does. We check in, we ask, or we ask somebody that's connected so that we know and we can pray. Here's what I want to share with you. If you don't get anything else away from this besides bells and chimes today, here's your takeaway. (coughs) Moving forward means faithfully living out a focused plan. I'll say it again. Moving forward means faithfully living out a focused plan. In order to be successful in your spiritual walk, you are going to have to have a plan that you are faithfully living out and focused on. If you're going to have a marriage that is significant, And successful, you guys are going to have to have planning meetings. You're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to put in place what works and work it out. And if it doesn't work out after the first six months, I say give everything six months, then we come back to the drawing board and let's do it again. And we'll do it again and again and again until we fine-tune it. And it will never be perfect, but we have a plan that we are faithfully putting in place to make this marriage more successful. Ten years in, two weeks in. Thirty years in. Put it in place. Live it out. The financial plan for our marriage three years ago has changed, finances changed, kids get bigger, shoes change, whatever. Put a plan in place. And live it out faithfully. That's how marriage should work. There's several business meetings. And that's several fights about the business meeting. I gave you the example of two kids playing football, they're working out and playing sports. No one likes eating six meals a day. Nobody does. But if you want to reach your goal of of whatever that weight is, you're going to have to eat, even when you don't like it. You're going to have to lift on days you'd rather sleep in that bed because it's raining. It's going to take physical work to get the goal done. You faithfully live out the plan. It means that you're going to have to sacrifice some meals. It means that you're going to have to sacrifice some friends. You're going to have to sacrifice some family. You're going to have to sacrifice some thoughts and some shows and some avenues of entertainment. You're going to have to sacrifice uh, not spending money on you all the time. You're going to have to sacrifice in order for you to move forward spiritually. That's part of the physical work that you have to put in. That's part of the emotional work you have to put in. But making this commitment to go further with God will benefit you in more ways than you can ever imagine. Faithfully live out the plan that God has put in place for you, and you will experience him on higher levels than you could have ever imagined. As the band comes up, I want to direct your attention to either side. We have communion, and this might be an amazing opportunity for you to say, you know what? This is going to be the day that I'm going to start making this commitment. I'm going to start investing. I'm going to start making this thing number one priority. And it starts with communion for some of us. That I'm committing to partaking in this communion, to be in fellowship, and to be in relationship with the God of the universe. So as we pray and move on into the end of our service and communion, I ask this, Lord God. Again, by your grace and by your mercy, that you bring us to this moment where we can dwell in your presence, where we can recognize your voice. And so, Lord, would you please allow us to walk out a plan that brings us back to you, that brings us to a deeper level of relationship with you. Let us be your servants. Let us be your sons and daughters that are in awe of you. Father, allow us to forgive the ones that have hurt us, that have offended us, that have placed a seed in our hearts that one isn't of you. Father, would you use this time for communion for some of us to be the first step where we begin our bow and our commitment to you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.